and welcome to the 250th episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Woohoo! I know. Insert fake applause. Looks like we made it after all. 250. Can you believe it? Like, that is just, it blows my mind. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of hard to believe that you and I have sat down and had 250 conversations about for an hour each. That's 250 hours, even a little more than that, of uh, us inanely chattering just about dumb movies. Can you believe it? Right. Who who else can say that? (laughs) I know. There's a a running joke in my house, and and I know that you are in a similar situation. My partner doesn't listen to these episodes at all, (laughs) ever. And so I told him, we have to get to 365 so that if I die first... He'll have an episode to listen to every day for a year. (laughs) (laughs) What a nice gift you will leave him with. (laughs) I'm sure he was thrilled about that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He totally is. But uh, here we are at 250. And um, with one exception, on every milestone episode, we have returned to our roots and done a Wes Craven film. Uh, Of course, we're both huge Wes Craven fans. We were both pretty devastated when we lost him years ago. And uh, we've done a lot of our favorites. Um, So what we're left with are some of his maybe less popular films. Uh, There are some still uh, that we haven't touched for various reasons. Last House on the Left comes to mind. Hmm. Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a good one, too. But uh, I actually have been trying to get Todd to do this movie for a while. Really, the primary reason is because this film has such a storied production history. What we're doing today is uh, 2005's Cursed, which is Wes Craven's only werewolf film that he did with his uh, collaborator on Scream, Kevin Williamson, though it has a very interesting production history, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length. Another reason that I wanted to do this is despite the fact that Craven and really most of the people involved with this movie were ultimately unsatisfied with it when it was released. I actually find it to be a fun and uh, really entertaining film. Yeah, it's not bad. It's really not. And and despite what you will read about it, and despite all of the production trouble that they had, I think ultimately, you know, it's still fun. And I'm surprised that it wasn't more successful than it was, because it really wasn't. It was kind of a flop, really. But it's very much in line with and in the the same style as those movies that were coming out in the early aughts, like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's just full to the brim of young, famous, good-looking people. It's very hip and cool and young and... Everything we are not. (laughs) exactly (laughs) but we remember we remember a day you know when we thought we were cool (laughs) yeah that's the big distinction when we thought we were (laughs) we never maybe thought we were as cool as some of these kids in these 
teen movies from the early aughts, but I, I, I was excited about this movie when it came out. I, I was always excited about new Wes Craven films. Um, of course, you know, both of us were big Nightmare fans, and then, you know, Scream, and Wes Craven really was kind of at... I, I don't know if he, I would even necessarily say at his best, but at his most popular uh, during this time, very mainstream. Yeah. And I was really uh, excited about this movie. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I did see it, uh, you know, I think as soon as it came out on video, and I remembered liking it then. And I've watched it, I don't know, maybe once or twice since then. It's been a very long time since I'd revisited it, and I really thought that maybe my fondness for it would have waned over the years. But watching it again yesterday, I'm still a fan. I mean, there's a, it's not great. It's not one of his best movies, but I, I still found it to be entertaining and... Mm, not super scary, but, you know, good scary elements going on. Overall, I enjoyed it, and we can talk about its flaws and, and all that stuff, and that's perfectly fine because it's not a perfect movie. Um, and I'm really interested, or would be, I suppose, really interested to know what the original vision would have turned out to be. Mm. But this is what we're left with. There are actually a couple of versions. There's an unrated version that I was unable to track down, so I watched the PG-13 version, which is available to rent on Amazon. Is that the version you watched, too? Yes, sir, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find the unrated version, and I I'm not sure what the major differences are. Whoever owns the rights, I read a name. I don't know who it was, whether it was a studio guy or what, but whoever owns the rights claims that they have three different, complete versions of this movie. Yeah, the editor, actually. The editor, right. Mm -hmm. So there's basically the original cut with all the original practical effects and the original actors. What's so interesting about this is they shot it, and then the Weinsteins were unsatisfied with it, so they had to go back and reshoot it. And then the Weinsteins were still unsatisfied with it, so they ended up shooting it at least one more time. I think that by the time they had finished it, they had done four shoots of this movie. So much so that entire plot points changed, and the cast changed. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> they had filmed... Ugh. No, I can't imagine. They had filmed... You know, the original shot, and there were all these other people in it who, for whatever reason, either their characters were cut or then they, or they just weren't available for the reshoots, so they couldn't come back and they had to recast them. Heather Langenkamp was originally in it, Scott Foley, Omar Epps, Skeet Ulrich, James Brolin, Corey Feldman, Ileana Douglas, like Mandy Moore. Like Insanely all popular, famous people. <laughs> yeah. And like Skeet Ulrich and Heather Langenkamp and, and Scott Foley had all worked with uh, Craven in the past. You know, these were like Craven's folks. Um, and, and, and they're gone. Like, they're, yeah. they're totally excised from the movie. And, man, if those versions exist, the fans want to see these cuts. You know, release these cuts. We will yeah. pay for them. My I God. I want to see it. Somebody needs to start a Kickstarter to buy the rights to this film or something and yeah. get that original 
because also one of the maddening things about this movie, which, by the way, this was the first time I'd seen it, is that you read and even see credited Rick Baker as doing the special effects. And Rick Baker is a special effects genius. He's, you know, he's the one who did American Werewolf in London, which has, Mm -hmm. I think, to date... To date, still the best werewolf transformation scene I've ever seen Agreed. in any film. And <laughs> one of the, the first things they did when that second reshoot is they brought in a whole other team, KNG or KNB, to come in and redo the effects. And then the third time around, they decided they were going to just paint over all of the KNB effects. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of them, but most of them with freaking 2005 cgi yeah oh what a shame you can go online and you can find some photos you know fangoria had photo thank goodness for outlets like fangoria entertainment tonight yeah. actually ran uh, a story a brief story on this film while they were shooting the first version and they interviewed skeet ulrich and whatever it's it's only like a little five minute thing but there's a lot of little behind the scenes footage of them shooting this movie with skeet ulrich in it and so uh it's kind of cool to go and look at some of that stuff too and again you know they decided at some point that uh it needed to be pg-13 instead of r so these gore effects were cut entirely from the movie that they had before and uh, it was trimmed down and re-edited to make it a little less provocative when you know when they first announced the movie bob weinstein said this is going to reinvent the werewolf genre I mean, if the original script was going to do it, I don't think this script did it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that might have been a little bit of hyperbole all the way around. But it's certainly, I think my take overall on it, it is just like you said, perfectly fine movie. Kind of fun. I mean, fun, entertaining, hip for its time, and, you know, fun to watch. And it does some interesting things with werewolves and puts them in situations that we haven't necessarily seen them in before. But that being said, it's it's not reinventing the genre. And it's not... Mm-mm. It's a little pedestrian and predictable in some ways, and a little flat in some other ways. And honestly, probably because they were their third go-around, some of the production feels a little cheap for what is supposed to be a star-studded big box office movie and all those things combined damage it but you're right yeah i would love to go back and see it's not the first time Wes craven was messed with right oh no but he was super resentful of the process of this movie he said i wasted two and a half years of my life ended up with something i didn't like wasn't happy with they cut it all up to shreds and uh, during that time period, I could have made. He said this. The is, he said this will be the last time he did anything for money. Yep. Because they agreed to pay him double his salary uh, for this movie to convince him to do it. But he said in the two and a half years it took for him to shoot this movie, he could have done two or three other movies <laughs> and made more money anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a reason why his phone stopped ringing. He said is because that was quite well known. So it damaged his prospects a little bit. He, he got taken off of um, a movie that he had co-written called Pulse, which was a remake of a mm-hmm. Japanese movie that was one another one of those things where it seems like uh, he said he has absolutely no connection with how that turned out. It didn't look at all like his original script, and he obviously didn't get to direct it. So, bit of a toll. You know, you never know how a project's going to end up, and... This is an industry, you know, people to money are ultimately pulling the strings. You know, it's 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 a business first and art second. And sometimes that's what happens, these compromises, and then we get we get a film like this. But still, a lot of fun to talk about and a lot of fun to watch. So I'm really glad that we're gonna be doing this. I'm glad you brought it up and I'm glad we finally came around to it. 
for our 250th episode. <laughs> I am too. And, you know, despite all of those things, like we've already said, it, it, it's really not a bad movie. No. I enjoy it. There are good things going on here. It's it's clever. There are some funny parts. There are some silly and ridiculous parts, but it's kind of funny too. And still, despite all of the recasting, we say this all the time, it's so cliched, but we usually say it about the 80s, but this is really a time capsule of the early aughts. Like, yeah, it really so is. So many famous people. Like, it opens up on, like, a pier or a boardwalk or something. It reminded me of The Lost Boys. Yeah. You know, it, it's... Thinking the same thing. It's just a lot of people, you know, doing their own thing, having fun. It's crowded. It's fun. And um, there's a band, and the band is playing a modern rock version of Hey There Little Red Riding Hood, which mm. I thought was really clever. It's very cool. <laughs> I like that song anyway. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Bowling for Soup actually is the band that's, that's doing this. Oh, really? Movie. Yep. I didn't that's, know that. It's them right there in the movie too. And the first thing we see is Portia de Rossi is a fortune teller mm. on this boardwalk <laughs> and these two girls Jenny and Becky Jenny is played by Maya who was very famous at the time famous singer performer and Becky is Shannon Elizabeth who was also right at the height of her career gorgeous as always mm. and they go and see her Portia looks at both of their hands I see blood so much blood okay that's nice but <gasps> You too. It's, it's a beast you should fear. Okay, we're done here. Come on, Becky, let's go. Beware the moon. It feeds in the moonlight. You can't tell people this shit. It's funny to read about the the history because a lot of these scenes were in the original script, but they were at drastically different places in the script Mm -hmm. and featuring different people. Initially, the Maya character was supposed to be Skeet Ulrich. And apparently, if you look closely, there's a point where Becky and Jenny get separated and Becky calls out Jenny's name. Really, she's calling out Vinny or whatever his name was supposed to be or Vince or whatever his name was supposed to be and they just dubbed it over with Jenny. Mm -hmm. Lots of trickery going on there. I took so many notes over the first 15 minutes because this is one of those movies that makes a point of introducing you to all of the main characters in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. So (laughs) it's kind of a lot to take in right at the beginning. But we meet Jimmy who is played by a baby Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, he's so young. I don't know if this was his first film, but it's certainly the first thing I remember him from. He's so young. He, he, I mean, he plays, yeah, he's a teenager. He's high school. And he looks like a teenager. He does. He meets his love interest, Brooke, played by Christina Anapal, which I thought her character was entirely unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah. I... Yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't need her at all. <laughs> I was waiting for some payoff with this character. She just kind of pops in and pops out, and then it's so silly at the end when she comes in. Oh God, it it's so dumb. Yeah, that was the worst part of the movie. You have to imagine that the you know the original script gave her more to do, or had her had her a little more significant in it. Perhaps I think. I really, her only purpose is to introduce uh, Jimmy's rival. 
Bo, <laughs> again played by a baby Milo Ventimiglia. And I like Milo Ventimiglia. You know, I really liked him in Heroes. He's still very successful. He's on, I don't know, some sappy nighttime soap type. This Is Us, which I watched some of, uh, so I'm not making fun of it, but it is sappy. Oh, come on. You know you watch them. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't still watch it, but I did watch the whole first season. Oh, okay. And cried. <laughs> <laughs> you can only fit so many soaps into your day, though. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a baby, too. And oh, my God, he's so cute. But he's also just like the... <sighs> cliched bully and he's constantly picking on Jimmy and all of his jabs at Jimmy are about how he's gay um, mm. and like he calls him a geek on his way to fag town and like calls him like an <laughs> ass wimp wad like just the lamest yeah. insults um, but it sets up you know this rivalry between them which is kind of cute and actually in the end ends up being super cute yeah it leads to one of the funnier scenes in the movie i think and the movie does have quite a bit of comedy in it that's true we we ultimately meet um our main character ellie uh played by christina ricci and she's jimmy's older sister who they all live in hollywood she works on the late late show with craig kilborn yeah i think Yep. Ye okay, so I have an interesting... <laughs> it's not a connection, really, but I don't know how to else to say it. All of my life, people have said to me and to my sister mm. how much my s sister looks like Christina Ricci or Christina Ricci looks like her. And that's true. <laughs> and <I've, laughs> she could be her stunt double. I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up with her so... It, it's weird for me, but watching this movie, I'm like, oh, man, they do really look a lot alike. <laughs> and she's so cute, and I love Christina Ricci, and she's still working. I wish she worked more. I yeah. I think she's a good actor, and, and, and she's so pretty, and uh, anyway, but she's the main character in this movie, and she's dating a guy named Jake, played by Josh Jackson, who at the time was hugely famous for Dawson's Creek and was kind of a heartthrob. And he plays the big heartthrob in this movie like he's just beating women off with a stick in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, he's he's good looking, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess, but I have to say, uh, it felt like that was all he was relying on because his performance was so flat. It was. You know, when we're first introduced to him, she is uh, swinging by his nightclub. He's opening up a nightclub called what Talons, I guess, and it's supposed to be... I don't remember. But I want to go there so bad. <laughs> oh, God, it looks amazing. It looks like it's in an old theater, and I guess it is, like an old movie theater, but they've gutted it, and they've outfitted it with, uh, I mean, like a cross between a wax museum and a gothic castle, also with conveniently with a mirror maze, and as soon as I saw them set that up, I was like, okay, no, we're going to get a mirror maze scene in this movie. All right, I haven't seen that five times before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not disappointed. It certainly happens. It's mostly horror memorabilia. It's and awesome. I love it. Like, there, it, it, it looks a lot like the Wax Museum from... Waxworks? Waxworks. Yeah. Except 
way more hip and cool. Oh, and yeah. There are displays for everything. There's a Nightmare on Elm Street display with Freddy Krueger. There's a Hellraiser. Friday the 13th. There's Nosferatu. Like, there are just every, pretty much everything you can imagine is there. And it looks so cool. Like, I want to go hang out and drink there. Yeah. (laughs) They should have taken all the, you know, once they dressed that up, they should have just left it and made it a nightclub. It, it could have made so much money. It was so cool. Well, in the in the original script, it was supposed to be a wax museum, and when they changed it, they just turned it into a nightclub, but they just kept the same set, which totally works for me. Um, Jake also, by the way, was originally... His character was different, but the character was... a ri- That was the Skeet Ulrich character. And when they revised the script, Skeet Ulrich didn't like the rewrites so he dropped out of his own accord uh, and that's when they got Josh Jackson oh he dropped out of his own accord I didn't realize that yep because oh. he didn't like the the ending I, I don't want to spoil the ending yet but he didn't like the ending well, <laughs> maybe I'll spoil it a little bit because it was uh, too similar to something that he had just recently done anyway. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the movie was originally about three characters like three friends or three people strangers no strangers yeah strangers yeah who come together over a, a like, basically like a car crash and a werewolf attack and this movie ends up mainly revolving around this woman and her brother. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's it's very different. And I think Jesse Eisenberg, you know, came out later a few years ago and said, when he was asked about this movie, he said, yeah, he says, I don't know what was wrong. Who had a problem with original script and why they messed it up with it so much? But now that we know what was going on in the Weinstein Company at that time, it, it makes sense. There was some kind of turmoil and but he was like, uh, it, they just made it dumb. Like, they turned me into her brother, and he said the original was a lot more edgy, I guess, is what he said. Right, and Judy Greer, who is also in this movie, she plays... Uh, she- I don't know. She is she Scott publicist. Baio's agent? Yeah, she's basically <laughs> Scott Baio's publicist, which is so funny because Scott Baio plays himself. <laughs> yes, and I only read this this morning, but Scott Baio was supposed to be one of the main werewolves in this movie. Yes, and they just cut that part out. Can you imagine? I mean, that in itself no, is I kind can't of funny. Imagine. Actually, <laughs> it is kind of funny. And in 2005, oh. I would have been totally fine with it. Scott Bayo now is a fucking douchebag, but he is. Yeah. <laughs> but in two in 2005, I didn't know that yet. <laughs> well, what's funny is there's a scene in this movie that actually shows its age, where she. I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll, we can come back. Yeah. Where she goes to a party and she meets up with Scott Bale's agent. Her agent, like you said, is is she's totally a ditch. She's completely pushy and out there and full of herself and really pushing, doing her job really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting Scott Bale the kind of recognition he needs, and so she's supposed to quote unquote interview him before he goes on the late late show and which just means meet up with him and kind of sort out the details and she does this at this party and when she sits down and starts talking with him there's a point at which he kind of starts coming on to her a little bit you're a beautiful girl i mean you've got this aura thing happening i just can't quite put my finger on it not when you can use your own hand and he actually puts his hand on her 
knee, which is so funny because he's playing himself. Right. Today, can you imagine an actor being willing to go no. on screen playing himself, basically sexually harassing someone else in the industry? Of course they wouldn't do that. And definitely not in a Weinstein movie. <laughs> So yeah, it's such an interesting <laughs> element of this film, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. The I, I don't know. There's a little bit of drama. I mean, there's not a whole lot of drama in this movie, but Jake tells Ellie that like he just wants to take it slow or he needs time and space or something. I don't know. That whole yeah. all the relationship stuff is just it it's Dumb. so it, it's just thrown away. Like it happens in a matter of seconds. It's it's stupid. And there are no stakes. But then we see the L.A. cityscape at night. And I don't know if I noticed this the first time, but this time I did, even before I read about it. The lights in the cityscape of L.A. make a pentagram, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. And then Ellie and Jimmy are in the car. They're uh, going home, and they hit a dog. <laughs> like That's kind of <laughs> what it looks like. Uh-huh. Which causes a great big accident with Becky, Shannon Elizabeth, who they don't know. I mean, they're in different cars. They're on Mulholland Drive, which is notoriously dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and her car goes rolling down the Hollywood Hills. Luckily, she has her seatbelt on, so she's okay. But she's stuck upside down in the car. And Ellie runs down there. Jimmy calls the cops but then he runs down there too. They're trying to get her out and she's hysterical and Jimmy finally frees her from her seatbelt and from the dashboard, which is kind of pinning her in. Um, But right after she's freed, as she's kind of laying there in the driver's side, what is clearly a werewolf (laughs) (laughs) bashes in through the window and grabs her by the shoulder and its jaws and and rips her out but Jimmy holds on to her legs Ellie grabs onto his legs and it drags them all yards away from the car mm. before they eventually let go or get pulled away or whatever but they they basically see her get mauled and and killed jimmy has a closer look because he was closer to her ellie doesn't see it clearly but when it's all over both ellie and jimmy are scratched or injured in some way and the cops arrive (laughs) and i was so tickled to see that the cop that interviews them was Nick Offerman. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was Acting like, oh my like God, Ron Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. <laughs> obviously, even if, if we didn't know that this was a werewolf movie already, which we do, obviously, but Jimmy's dog, this cute, like, golden retriever, is now very wary of him and, in fact, bites him. Mm. And, you know, from there, I mean, it, what I one thing that I do like about this movie is that they don't waste a lot of time. Jimmy immediately starts doing research because there are not supposed to be any wolves in the Los Angeles area. Uh-huh. So he starts doing some research and he finds, you know, unexplained animal attacks. And he basically, right from the beginning, comes to the conclusion that it was werewolves. Yeah. he. It's funny. I love his... 
You know, he's on an uh, one of the early iMacs. <laughs> he's clicking around websites. You remember when you just used to go to websites for information? <laughs> there's a website that's like werewolf attacks in L.A., and then there's another whole website about, you know, werewolf. And <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's cool. And then she, there's kind of a sequence where she's at home, and one thing that, you know, Craven does really well, I think, is set up these scare sequences, right? You're alone in the house and the wind blows in and the windows open mysteriously and then you s- sneak through and the cuckoo clock scares you. And <laughs> I had to roll my eyes that they happen to have this cuckoo clock on the wall that's like Little Red Riding Hood theme mm-hmm. <laughs> that has a, l- a little wolf jumping down as opposed to a cuckoo over a spinning, yeah. terrified uh, Little Red Riding Hood, which I thought, my God, which German workshop did this old uh, <laughs> cuckoo clock come from? <laughs> I want one so badly. And then uh, Jake surprises her there. And, you know, this is kind of the beginning and really throughout the movie. He's just creepy, I think, through the whole movie. Because he's so flat, his affect is so flat, it feels like he's hiding something or he lacks emotion somehow. And he just shows up just mysteriously at her house. And the reason is dumb. It's just like, hey, I just wanted to follow up on our conversation from before and tell you that I still love you. And she... It embraces with him, and then almost vampire style, you suddenly see her grow these fangs and bites into his neck, and a big spurt of blood comes out of it. And then we're barraged with these images, just random, crazy, freaky images, and boom, she wakes up, and she's in bed. And I'm thinking, did that really happen? Did it not happen? And when we see Jake later as though nothing ever happened, I thought, oh, okay, I guess that was... A dream sequence and I'm still to this moment kind of puzzled as to mm-hmm. when that dream sequence started right. I don't know if that was just I think it was a dream and in the dream she turns into a werewolf of course but I also read that a lot of those you know it, it, it's just like flashes of various images and I read that a lot of those images were taken from the the various shoots that they did like yeah. those had been actual parts of scenes in some of the shoots and they just reuse them for the dream sequence or whatever um but right after that jimmy wakes up naked outside which is classic werewolf <laughs> yeah I, I love that actually <laughs> and it's kind of funny the neighbor's watering his lawn and looks over and he yeah. does an am- <laughs> he does an amazing job of like he's done it a thousand times of scaling his house from the outside instead of just running in the front and getting up to a second story yeah, window. Yeah, he leaps into the window. Without <laughs> without once showing his junk. And that was a feat. <laughs> that, that probably required multiple retakes to get that one right. <laughs> It was cute. It was it was like he was naked and it was it was too cute to even be hot. Like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and I like this I think it's the next scene where he uh he you know, she wakes up, she's downstairs, they're kinda he comes back in and he kind of starts talking to her and telling her uh, you know, I think this is about werewolfism or something like that. She's like, oh, you're crazy and all this stuff. And they're they're chatting back and forth. And the whole time they're talking, he has casually pulled uh, a Tupperware container out of the fridge, which clearly has raw meat in it. But he's eating it as though it was just cold cuts and even sits down at the table at one point and dumps some salt on it and is just eating it. And I'm waiting for this moment where she's going to look appalled or like, do you realize what you're doing or, you know, this is going to be called attention to in the world of the movie? 
And not only does that not happen, but a couple times she leans over and takes a couple pieces and eats it before she ends up leaving. Like, neither of them even noticed that this is weird. And I thought that was such a, in a dumber movie, that would, you know, again, that would have happened. What I predicted would have happened. And instead, in this movie, it's just a funny bit that's allowed to continue. I thought it was lunch meat, but whatever. Either way, it was pretty funny. That was raw meat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Then she's at work, you know, at Craig Kilborn or whatever. And and we meet Joni, Judy Greer, who we've talked about before. We recently talked about her because she was in Halloween 2018. I, I said it then and I'll say it now. Judy Greer is an underrated actress. She is in so much. She works all the time. Mm. I love her. I think she's great. To be fair, she often plays very similar characters. Mm. And in this movie, she's very, very similar to her character in 13 Going on 30, which is a very cute movie. I don't only watch horror movies. I also like cute, girly movies. (laughs) (laughs) And 13 Going on 30 is adorable, and (laughs) she's really funny in it. But she's a bitch, and like, <laughs> like it's it's like that's they just establish like, <laughs> okay, hi, I'm Joni, I'm a bitch, um, right, and right. <laughs> she basically tells Ellie that her boyfriend is a hoe. Hey, I heard that you're dating Jake Taylor. Is that true? I hope it's nothing serious. Why not? I guess it was only a matter of time before he got to you. He always did prefer the vulnerable ones. Okay, well, I'll see you tonight, Johnny. I'm only saying this because I care. Is there anything else, Johnny? Mm, No. Tonight, don't be late. Oh, my God. Who are you and why are you telling me this? (laughs) But then she's just, she's standing there talking to somebody. I think she's talking to nice guy Kyle. There's just this random nice guy Kyle. (laughs) Random nice guy Kyle is is great in the movie. He's the guy, his face, he looks like he's halfway through the transformation into being a werewolf. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like a little tall, it's kind of bony and muscular and just very chiseled, but also just a little too tall and... A little too wide, and his nose is a little prominent, and he looks good, don't get me wrong, but yeah, he's he's definitely, uh, I feel like I would see him working out in the gym more often than I'd see him running around uh, the Late Late Show with Craig (laughs) Kilborn, and it's so cute because Craig, you know, the minute he meets her, they have all this witty dialogue, right, because obviously he's good friends with Ellie, and the first thing he says is, well... Uh, Scott Bale's publicist is coming by. She's a bitch. And then Scott Bale's publicist comes by and basically announces she's a bitch. And then afterwards, he pops in and says to her, well, she was a real bitch, wasn't she? And she's like, yeah, she was a bitch. (laughs) This really gets hammered home in case it wasn't obvious. (laughs) And that's basically all Kyle has to do for most of the movie. Yeah, it (laughs) is. Um, But while she's standing there talking to him, she's like, what smells so good? Oh. Do you smell that? <laughs> he's like, no, I don't smell anything. And she goes literally sniffing around the office. Prowling <laughs> like, like a dog. So She's like a dog. Like, And mm. I love Christina Ricci. And I actually think that this was like her, her body movements. Like she's moving like she's yeah. sniffing something it's out. Great. I loved it. And she ends up in the bathroom. And I was so afraid that she was going to be smelling somebody's period. 
but thank God she wasn't. <laughs> Shoving her nose up in some woman's crotch. <laughs> but it, it ends up being a girl's nosebleed. So, you know, obviously she's, you know, smelling blood. Things are changing. The movie does not make any effort to try to hide from us what is happening. It, no. It's directly in your face. They are turning into werewolves. We know this. Moving along. And honestly, this is one thing that, for me, actually made the movie a little tedious. I wouldn't say I ever got bored with the movie, but I would say that there were times when I was like, okay, like, I got it, right? They're turning into werewolves. Of course, they the smell of blood's bothering them. They're feeling weird. Fingernails are growing. Whatever like that. Like, this, this kind of stuff is so well trod before that I didn't need to see it play out so deliberately and dramatically through this movie. And there were some ways in which it was cute and it was fun, maybe a slightly new take on things. But there were other ways like this, you know, I was just like, oh, okay. You know, I, too much of it bogged down, I think, the pace of the film. I, I, I think that's fair. I actually kind of appreciated it because I feel like in other movies, like An American Werewolf in London, which, by the way, is no comparison. That That is a, a, a great, great mm movie um but why toy with your audience we know this is a werewolf movie like just i understand what you're saying maybe it was a little much but i appreciated the fact that it wasn't trying it wasn't there's there's no mystery we know what's happening so why try to treat it like a mystery but to me that it is kind of toying with the audience a little it's not toying but it's it's i i don't want to say i was insulted but i was like i wasn't surprised at any of this these weren't big surprise moments for me oh she smells blood okay oh they're eating raw meat okay she's feeling sick and has to go to the bathroom and there's kind of this really long scene where she's in there and she flashes werewolf eyes you know again i'm glad they weren't trying to hide it from us like we didn't know but on the other hand it was like it felt like it was padding for time it didn't really advance the plot as far as i'm concerned i mean by now even they kind of realized that they're werewolves or at least i think so right it's not at this point that she's convinced that she's a werewolf. But I think a few more of these episodes go down after she knows, like, she doesn't need any further proof, right? But we still have to see these episodes happen anyway. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. It it, it didn't bother me. I thought it was fine. And that's one of the things that I liked about the movie is that it's it's fast-paced. It doesn't slow down. It moves. You know, I have a very limited attention span, so that's always good for me. Um, the, my next note is Jimmy goes to Sunnydale <laughs> because he attends the same high school that Buffy did and that all the 90210 kids did, and Bo's a dick to him again and throws more homophobic shit at him again. And That girl is making eyes at him and that for girl's no conceivable made, reason. Blah, blah, that girl, whatever. <laughs> we get that rooftop party, which is like a PETA benefit or something, and that's where Ellie talks to Scott Bayo, and women are just dripping off of her boyfriend, Jake, and one of those women is Jenny, Maya, who we saw in the opening scene, and she ends up getting attacked by a werewolf in the parking garage, Uh, after she leaves which was a great scene it is a great scene except for the shitty 
Oh man, I'm very cursy today. Sorry, except for the <laughs> crappy CGI. Yeah, and I so desperately would love to see the practical stuff if oh. it exists. But um, she gets chased around. It is. It's a very tense scene, and she's very clever in this scene. Like. Yeah. In the way that she hides from yes. the werewolf, far more clever than I would be. Well, I like that. And, you know, that's, again, that's kind of a hallmark of Wes Craven's movies. In general, his female protagonists are not stupid. You know, I mean, she's not a protagonist. Yeah. She's just a character in the right. movie. But she's not doing really stupid things. She actually has some smarts and is not just going to sit around and be a victim. And that was fun. That That's what made that scene interesting to me, actually, as I felt. I knew she was going to get eaten. Yeah. It was entirely predictable. But it was fun to see, you know, that go down. And I think some of these shots were actually practical, mostly close-ups of, I think, the werewolf's face. Claw kind of reaches in. You can kind of tell that, no, this isn't CGI. This is This is an actual practical thing but then it goes full on full body he's leaping from car to car and it's like a, yeah it's pretty bad and it, you know it's early 2000 CGI so it looks like a video game mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with video games but it doesn't look real in this motion picture no um, but but you know just, she ends know. up in an elevator and I thought that elevator scene was staged I mean how many horror movie scenes have we seen in, a, in an elevator right but this one I thought was pretty unique I mean she makes it in there the doors close but because the creature as it's kind of going up to the second floor bangs the the elevator door from the other side it deforms it enough that it won't go up any further and it kind of stops and it opens a little bit at the bottom and so there's this opening where he can reach in and lunge at her but he can't get in all the way and i think i think that was all mostly practical you know i think that was a guy in a suit but it still looked pretty good but then you know he disappears and then you realize he's up there on the second floor and there's a little crack yeah. that he can get through i i really like that elevator scene a lot i was impressed and apparently this was one of these scenes that got cut yep. from the r her death was going to be super gory i think her torso ripped in half and stuff like that mm-hmm. that doesn't even show up apparently on the r-rated version uh that's on available on dvd but you can see a shot of it i think from an old fangoria magazine so that's how mm-hmm. we, we kind of know that existed um jimmy does more research and finds that people who are werewolves are cursed and they have the mark of the beast on their hand and it's just like five dots on their hand that can be connected <laughs> to, to make a pentagram right which he does which he pulls he does, out a with marker, a marker to do, i know just to right make sure <laughs> <laughs> And Ellie has them, too, and, like, weird things are going on, like dogs are gathering outside of their house, and Jimmy howls at them, and they run away, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) The next scene that I really like is Jimmy goes into the gym and is flirting with the girl that he likes. I don't remember his name, Bo's girlfriend, and Bo confronts him. I don't remember who lays down the challenge, but challenges him to wrestle or try out for the team or whatever and jimmy wrestles another guy first and it's like it's kind of like spider-man like it takes him a little while to like yeah realize what he what can do. he's capable of yeah but eventually once he does he kicks that guy's butt and then he wrestles Bo and kicks his butt too and he says something in front of the girlfriend Come on. oh you're really becoming transparent I'm a little identity intervention, okay, because all this is internalized homophobia is just giving you away. 
But anyway, he wrestles Bo in really a kind of silly scene. Like, he kind of turns into, like, a professional wrestler. <laughs> WWF kind of style yeah. wrestling in the high school. And is <laughs> throwing him around and blah, blah, and basically kicks his butt. That's great. It's cool. I liked it. It was funny. It felt like a Spider-Man kind of mm-hmm. thing. Ellie is at work, and she's very much on edge, but people are also people are also making note of how hot both of them are getting the Ellie mm. and the brother. That was cool. <laughs> which is kind of funny. But she tiffs with Joni over Scott Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're saying these things, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And and then she kind of wolfs out in the bathroom and just in the eyes, but one of her co-workers sees or whatever. Uh, well, don't forget there's a, you know, as she walks into the office, apparently... Again, coincidentally and highly conveniently, one of Craig Kilborn's next sequences or whatever is going to be on psychics or something. And so there's a bunch of... She walks in and says, what's with all the gypsies? And it's all these women dressed up as psychics. And of course, one of them is this same woman that we saw earlier at the boardwalk scene who immediately looks up at her and runs towards her and chases her into a room, pulls up her hand and just says, you're cursed by the beast and and uh, you need to be careful and blah, 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 blah. And Kyle, nice guy, Kyle does his duty and comes in, all right, all right, let's pull you out of here. And <laughs> Kyle says as he goes away, one of the one of the funniest lines in this whole movie. Just it, it's it's just in the background. It's kind of blink if you miss a line. But he goes, "Shouldn't you psychically know when you're annoying someone?" <laughs> <laughs> but I had forgotten about that. I That's also funny. think it's hilarious that. Okay, first of all, it's kind of dumb that that psychic happens to also be there. But the other thing is, like, Ellie just hears her say these things, which are so pertinent to her situation and what she's going through right then, that she's not at all interested in chasing that woman down and learning more. (laughs) Yeah, she blows her off. In a scene that they probably could have cut, Jimmy goes to talk to Jake. Like, I... I don't even get the sense that Jake and Ellie have been together that long. So why her little brother would have gone to talk to him, I'm not sure. But he goes and tells him that he thinks they're werewolves. And what special knowledge would he think that he has just because he's setting up a horror-themed... I mean, ultimately it is a setup, which is why I think that they kept it. But it's, it's... stupid um but jake kind of blows him off zipper the dog turns into a werewolf too because he had bitten jimmy that that night surprised me i didn't see that coming it it surprised me too and the cgi doesn't look good but i loved that sequence nonetheless that was great because i actually thought that jimmy might eat the dog yeah yeah it's all about this meat and the dog's got it and jimmy's kind of creeping under the table and and he's upset at the dog and having the meat and i thought oh dude is he gonna take a bite out of this dog's butt craig is gonna hate this (laughs) (laughs) i know because it was a really sweet dog but one of my favorite parts and it's so cliche Bo shows up on jimmy's doorstep and is like all of those things you said to me in the gym how did you know (laughs) and it turns out that Bo is gay Mm -hmm. and he tries to kiss Jimmy (laughs) and this it, it should be so offensive and stupid but Milo Ventimiglia is 
so cute in his delivery of it i'm like i forgive you for being a dick (laughs) (laughs) you're cute let's make out um but they don't and and jimmy's like no you don't get it like i'm a werewolf and bo's like okay whatever he's like seriously like you're you're not into me it's just because i'm the beast and like i've got this (laughs) crazy sexual magnetism and bo's like yeah you do (laughs) but Zipper, the the werewolf dog, like kind of attacks them, so they they escape in uh, Bo's car. I don't remember where Ellie is. I think she's at work, but she gets in her car, and Jake confronts her, and he smacks his hand on her window, and we see that he has the marks on his hands too which i knew i mean you could see that from a mile away (laughs) i know well i feel like they tried to project it because like his character is worthless otherwise yeah exactly he has nothing else to do there's got to be a reason why he keeps popping up and just in pointless scenes right right and so uh she stabs him with a car key and runs away and then it's the night of the big opening uh, of the club the horror themed club or whatever and Bo and Jimmy sneak in as part of Lance Bass's entourage <laughs> Oh, 2005. (laughs) Had to smile. Ellie, Jimmy, Bo, and Jake all end up in the mirror maze. Jake and Ellie end up together, and he's trying to convince her that he's not the bad guy. He says, there's another one like me. I don't know who it is, but it's trying to get to me. He says, I was born with this curse, and I know how to control it. And then in my notes, I have blah, blah, blah. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Which is played out conveniently in this mirror maze that you can pop into as part of this very packed nightclub. Just conveniently (laughs) at this moment only has the three of them in it. (laughs) (laughs) But a werewolf breaks through the mirror and it's going after Ellie. Bo gets attacked and I said killed? Question mark. Wasn't sure. And then the werewolf just busts out into the party in general and... Everybody runs away, but Ellie and Jimmy get trapped in there. Like, they, somebody drops the security gate or something, and so they're trapped in there. There's a little fake-out where they think that nice guy Kyle is the werewolf, but then he ends up getting killed. That was cute. Um, <laughs> and then the reveal is that the real werewolf is bitchy Joni. I didn't see that coming. She caught werewolfism from Jake because they had had a fling, and she said, I guess I got a little too rough. Okay. I don't know what that means, but whatever. And there's a cute moment where Joni and Ellie kind of catfight for a minute, and uh, Ellie pepper sprays her and runs away. Then Jake confronts Joni, um, but she can't, her whole objective is that she wants him so she's taking out all of her competition and she can't kill him because it's been established that if you break the bloodline like everybody who's been turned by that werewolf will be cured or whatever so she can't attack him this was one of the biggest disappointments of the movie Joni goes through her transformation, and it's the first time we've ever seen a full werewolf transformation in this movie. And that is what these movies are about, you know? That's the centerpiece. That's what we're looking for. 
and it's all CGI, and it looks like a freaking cartoon. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It's just so disappointing, and I would love to have seen what that actually would have been like, you know, with under Rick Baker. And in this point, you know, they have this big battle sequence, I think, running around, which is fun. Yeah. It's just with that CGI werewolf most of the time, and them kind of bouncing around and stuff. I don't know. I was just kind of waiting for it to end, really. I was surprised they were still almost... 20 minutes left in the movie at this point. I thought we were coming up to the I last know. five, right? And eventually it's over. The police show up. The police burst in. They're like, where's the animal? Jimmy is like, she's up there somewhere because she had jumped up on like to a second level balcony or something. He's like, it's a werewolf. And the cops look at them funny. They're like, uh, okay, can you give us any other description? <laughs> and Christina Ricci, it's so funny. Like, I think she's intentionally doing it to try to taunt She's got bony ass, and fat thighs, and bad skin. And then Joni the werewolf, full werewolf, jumps out into the open and says, Liar! And flips them off. <laughs> oh my god, oh, I thought it was so funny. It's so And the silly. cops shoot her like a bazillion times, and she falls on the floor. Jimmy's like, you have to cut off her head. And she pops up, and uh, a cop shoots her several times in the head. Christina Ricci's like, is she's dead? And Jimmy's like, well, her brain's all over the floor, so I'm guessing that's the end <laughs> That's of good it. enough. <laughs> and it turns out she is dead. Bo is alive in the maze, we find out. But Jake is missing. Now, honestly, like you, I thought... Oh my- isn't this over? Like, yeah. Joni's the big bad guy. They killed her kind of anticlimactically, but it's over, right? No. Ellie and Jimmy go home. The house is all trashed because the werewolf dog tore it up or whatever. And they think it's over, but it's still the full moon and it's nearing midnight. And we see, like, their veins kind of become dark and visible and this silver pie server that ellie tries to pick up from the floor burns her hands so they're not cured they think they would be because they think that Joni was the one that started all this yeah right but then jake shows up and suddenly he's a douche yeah and suddenly he's a douche and this that's why skeet Ulrich or Ulrich left because he thought that it was too similar to the end of scream where, you know, yeah. the heroine's boyfriend in the very last moment ends up being the bad guy. Um, and he's right. It's the same. It's exactly the same. I don't know that I would have left a movie over it, but I, I can understand why he would be irritated. You know, like, this isn't what I signed up for. I wouldn't have signed up for it if I would have known that I was just going to be doing the same thing again. Yeah. But Ellie and Jimmy both kind of start to go through the change, and so Ellie and Jake fight. They all fight. Yeah, it's kind of long. Well, it is, but I kind of liked it. You know, Jake wants to be with Ellie, but he says he's going to kill Jimmy because there can only be one alpha male they all fight all three of them there's a cool part where jimmy crawls around on the ceiling using his werewolf claws i like that ellie ends up stabbing jake with the silver pie server in the heart and then she cuts off his head with the shovel which is another scene that they drastically cut uh for the pg-13 but then unexplicably his body combusts and that's pretty much it. And then there's this... The ending oh. was dumb. That, that's my biggest complaint about the movie is the last five minutes are so stupid. Zipper comes home, which 
That made me happy. I love dogs. Um, <laughs> but he comes home because Brooke brought him home. Brooke is the lame girl who has no purpose in the movie. And now, like, she's enamored with Jimmy, and she kisses him. Like, they don't even know each other, but... Yeah. All right, let's kiss, whatever. And Bo's there, too, as though he's <laughs> delivering his girlfriend yeah, like he, to Jimmy. He's handing her off like a father yeah. in a wedding. It's so weird, and... There's been no romance. Oh my God, why was this scene there? And then Bo, Bo hugs Jimmy like they're bros now. Like, and again, if, if not for the actor, if not for Milo Ventimiglia, I would have hated this. But he's just so cute and charming. I just couldn't. It's <laughs> <was> like, good. <laughs> I'm glad Aww. you're friends now. <laughs> But they they all go off like, oh, well, we killed the werewolf. Let's go get some pizza or whatever. And Ellie's like, that's fine. I'll stay home and clean. The end. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that last four or five minutes was so cornball. I did not care for it at all. However, up to that part, I found it to be a fun ride. Mm. It was fast-paced. The actors and characters were likable. It just had... I don't know how to describe it. The Those movies from the early aughts, those horror movies from the early aughts, Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, they had a very distinct cinematic look. Yes. And this movie has that exactly. And maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it wouldn't work today. I don't know. But I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the movie overall. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, too. And I... I basically agree with everything you said we said all at the beginning of the podcast to be honest if you want to go back and you even want to read the original script you can do that you can just go online and search for it Uh, and there are people out there who have also summarized it so you can read through all of it it's very different from this and uh, again i don't think it would have revolutionized the genre even in its original form but it sounded so much more interesting and complex and uh, edgy Mm. and with, with more interesting characters so I join you in hoping that someday somebody's going to dig this up and uh, put out there what we know exists so that we can see this in its original form. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But here we are on our 250th episode at the end. And we just really are grateful of the fact that we're able to do this every week and that you... Our listeners, some of you have been with us from the very beginning, (laughs) and it's super flattering. We started out doing this for ourselves, but we learned as we went through it that we really feed off of the feedback from our listeners. We love getting requests. We love on our Facebook page and, and on our website hearing you guys just kind of shoot back your opinions about the movies that we've done and where you differed from us and where you agreed with us. And just your enthusiasm keeps us going and has kept us going all these four or five years now. And uh, we just want to thank you so much for that. And we hope we can continue to do it. Yep, you stole my thunder. I was going to say the exact same thing. So I won't say it again, but... I concur. Very grateful to all of you. So uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we're going to be around for a while. 
As always, same old spiel. You can find us everywhere. Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. We're on, you know, pretty much any platform you can think of. Visit our Facebook page. Visit our website. Talk to us. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. We always love to hear from you. And, you know, we are thinking about trying to incorporate some new stuff into our repertoire as well so maybe there will be some new stuff to look forward to but until that time i'm craig and i'm todd with two guys in a chainsaw